Tonight, we welcome Trace Repeat to the stage of the Phoenix Theater. Trace Repeat is a six-piece soul and funk band from Oakland, California. This is a group that feels very passionately about the music they make, the place they live, and the space they hold. Tonight, we'll talk about these things, and later, they'll play some music. Please welcome to the program, Trace Repeat. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Hello. You've been featured on NBC, Mother Jones, Huffington Post. This is a major thing. We've had hundreds of bands on this show. And uh, you, you guys have gotten more press than the vast majority of them. So tell us about uh, the campaign that you had last year and uh, what led those organizations to covering you. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> so we did, uh, I mean, okay, so let's go all the way back. So we, we did Collaboration, which was a, is Collaboration is a uh, global organization, actually, that um, uh, is set up to build and uh, empower Asian Americans in communities, in artistic communities where... Uh, underrepresentation is a big thing, uh, and they have this uh, yearly showcase that happens every year. Um, and we ended up winning that showcase here in San, in San Francisco, um, and it sort of became a thing that we kind of continued to go down after that first happened. And then we ended up doing an Indiegogo campaign uh, based on like that same sort of theme and talking a little bit more about Asian American empowerment and uh, creating more visibility in film and media for. Um, Asian Americans and sort of discussing, talking a little bit more about like why, why there's so few Asian Americans in like in, in these, these kinds of spheres where like people are playing music and, and doing the things that, that we do where, where when I was growing up, I didn't, didn't really have the opportunity to see those things uh, in, mm-hmm. in film and media and sort of like building a band that like has the authority to kind of change that stereotype, at least in some small way. Um, and I think after we kind of did that campaign, it sort of snowballed into this whole other thing where everyone wanted to ask us about it after we did this this one campaign um, and uh, kind of became the thing that it is today. As Zach said, uh, we're here to show that Asians can be funky and sexy and not be apologetic about it. Yeah, I think that that's uh, certainly something that's lacking um, in the community as a whole, simply because uh, there's not really a lot of instances where we get portrayed in a light that actually uh, empowers us in that degree. Um that's not to say that Asians don't get represented very often, but when we do have the opportunity to showcase what we're about, um, it's usually not the token attractive guy. Um, so uh, qualities like confidence and assertiveness are not things that typically Asians mm-hmm. are portrayed about, and that's what we want to do with our music and also with what we do in this mm-hmm. band. Um, so it's more than just the style of, of the music, but the way we carry ourselves as well. Um, we, we believe in that thoroughly, and that's actually been a particular driving factor in this band since the beginning. The release of Crazy Rich Asians um, was a significant moment for the community. Yes. We tend not to go deep into pop culture on Mm -hmm. here, but what I've really liked about the coverage of that movie is um, people have shared their experiences about why representation matters so Mm -hmm. much. Yeah. And that's that's sort of a goal, I think, of of some of you guys in this band, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Doing it and then showing other people it can be done. Mm Does that resonate at all? With yeah, you? definitely. I mean, like, so, so, uh, Christian and I, actually, all of us saw Crazy Rich Asians together, or Christian, Zach, and I saw Crazy Rich Asians together uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it was just like, like, for me, like, it wasn't just about, like, 
whether or not it was even a good movie at at a certain point it wasn't even about the movie itself it was about who was in the in the movie or who were who were the people in the theater and like like being being there and being present and witnessing like an Asian American community showing up for itself for the like kind of the first time I've ever really seen that was was really important to me um, because that's not really something that Asian Americans do really well is like support each other in a craft and like kind of like show up for each other and that's you know that was really really great for me. You've been covered by Huffington Post um, and there was this other Huffington Post writer named Kimberly Yam that mm-hmm. did a tweet thread and uh, I know this is going down a, a rabbit yeah. hole here. I'm not going to read it all but yeah. uh, I, I loved it because she's an Asian American mm-hmm. and she just talked about how when she was eight uh, the, there was Chinese food she mm-hmm. got made fun of she mm-hmm. was ashamed. When she was nine mm-hmm. uh, she uh, they made fun of her mm-hmm. appearance when yeah, she yeah. was 16, there was a Halloween situation where people were being Asian tourists. It made her feel ashamed. Uh, and then when she got to college, she met other people. She started to feel less ashamed. And this movie was like a full circle mm-hmm. thing for her where mm-hmm. instead of um, shedding her heritage, mm-hmm. she felt like embracing it mm-hmm. and she was proud of mm-hmm. it. And it, it's been, a, for this writer, it was a lifelong mm-hmm. struggle. Yeah. That's interesting that you mentioned that. Uh, when did this person start tweeting these tweets? I just want to know the relative... Uh, shortly shortly after the movie came out, it yeah. was the release weekend. Yeah, I know you don't like to dwell too much on pop culture, but I'd like to touch on that a little bit because consequently in the same week, uh, Kelly Marie Tran, who uh, played a defining role in the new Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. actually uh, encountered a significant amount of backlash for her, her role, and that was mm-hmm. just last year. Mm-hmm. And she wrote a whole medium piece about how um, this person feels like they're very, very empowered because they're in a group or they're... Uh, part of a production mm-hmm. that showcases Asians in such a great light. But Kelly Marie Tran was a different story because she was the only one mm-hmm. in a movie like that. And um, like I said, kind of prior, I've already alluded to this, she mm-hmm. wasn't really the token Asian girl. Mm-hmm. I mean, like with Crazy Rich Asians, it was so glamorized, mm-hmm. almost like casino, very, mm-hmm. ex- you know, a, a lifestyle of excess and, you know, luxury. Mm-hmm. And uh, not really relatable, but definitely something that I think most Americans mm-hmm. or most people would strive towards. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Kelly Marie Tran had a completely different um, experience, and I think that's also worth mentioning, mm-hmm. um, in that uh, Crazy Rich Asians was great, yeah. um, and Star Wars was great too, but it wasn't great for <coughs> every Asian actor that was mm-hmm. in a movie recently. But it's a start, though. Yeah, right. it definitely is. I mean, it's worth right. remarking, right. but it's just um, there's right. still some Asian yeah. actors that are struggling with it and getting harassed uh, because of the parts that they're playing. The experience for me has always been, like, when I was growing up, all of the musical idols that I grew up with were like mostly black idols because the, those were the people that I saw on TV. There were no, there were really no Asian American idols to kind of follow. So like people that I grew up watching were like Marvin Gaye and like Stevie Wonder and like Michael Jackson and all the, all these, these like a little really, bit of Otis Redding. Yeah. Otis Redding and all these really important like black icons that like kind of became the foundation of what the Motown sound is. Uh, and those are things that I grew up watching and kind of became the formidable things that like influence what the songwriting of this band is now. Um, and what like what's really powerful for me for, for the, the, the Crazy Rich Asians experience is that like we're actually at a point now where it's not like we don't have to rely on other cultures form, forming that experience for our, for young adults who are growing up and looking for like influences and people to look at. Uh, now there's actually this opportunity where our culture is actually represented on film and media and you can actually just look at other Asian people doing it and you don't have to like reference what like you know building your building your experience from somebody else's culture which is really incredible for me you know? a mother jones article commenter named dingo bat said the yeah. lead singer is hot so yeah. that's a, that's a vote of confidence there's some really great comments where's on the that? one yeah. of dan <laughs> what was that one um, uh, uh, it was 
some sax player. Oh, commenter. I know. You're talking about G. Grezzi, commenter G. Grezzi, who said the sax player is my favorite member of the band and also probably has a large memory. Yeah. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> who yes. wrote that? I think Dan wrote that. I no, it's definitely Dan. I, I hope that he it might did. have been David. I appreciate you for writing that down. <laughs> the band released an album called The Oaktown Sound last year. The record is meant to pay uh, homage to the city of Oakland. How so? Um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with just like we, we've spent a lot of time like rallying the Oakland community and being a part of like the music scene that m makes up what Oakland is. And like uh, everything that we did <clears throat> to build that record was kind of intended to like represent everything about Oakland that we, we wanted to talk about. And like actually when we originally drafted the first Indiegogo campaign, it was part of the thing that we intended to talk about. And then it ended up just kind of getting cut out after like drafting the thing and realizing that it, like if we talked about both things, then it would become way, way too long, you mm. know. Um, and I think what we like, I think what we ha like really set out to do when we talk about like representing the city of Oakland is like really talking about like, okay, so we like have set up like three or four different residencies in the city of Oakland and like are working really hard to like represent music and arts and the music and arts communities in the city of Oakland because like there's a lot of like there's a lack of it in the city of Oakland. Uh, and like a lot of times what you will see is like a lot of gentrification, like buildings that are going up that are like shutting down a lot of the music venues that are really important to the arts culture of the city of Oakland. Uh, and like what we want to do with with our record is kind of like like shed light on that and like, hey, remember that the city of Oakland is kind of about like arts and communities and like building the arts communities out and like stand, representing for representing those communities and in, in like safe safe artistic spaces Any, anybody else have anything to add on that yeah i think it's also um it's interesting cause that you asked this question because i actually it hasn't crossed my mind in quite some time but now that we've had this discussion a little bit i think uh it was also named the oaktown sound simply because uh if you want to tie it back to representation um oaktown is also a bit of an underdog city um i find that in my travels when i go out and about and i leave the bay area and i talk about the san francisco bay Oakland uh, similarly also doesn't really get a lot of the credit that it deserves. Uh, it's definitely an underappreciated city, and the people who live in Oakland really do like it and enjoy mm -hmm. it. I think I can say that from mm -hmm. firsthand experience. But um, when people tend to think of the Bay, they think of San Francisco. They think of a classically artistic, you know, historically artistic city. Oakland's sort of become a little bit more prevalent, uh, in my opinion, simply because we still hold true to a lot of the independent music venues, mom and pop shops, and galleries. Mm -hmm. yeah. It still exists here. So you could say that there's a unique parallel that could be drawn from uh, mm -hmm. us wanting to speak up and play music, and we're kind of underrepresented in o Oakland. Also, you know, give or take is similarly in that same vein, you know. It doesn't have that sex appeal that San Francisco has. Have you all heard the Terry T song, The Oaktown Sound? Yeah, I have. Oh, it's so good. We're going to listen to 30 seconds of it. It's so good. I wasn't even aware there was another Terry tune T out there. Terry T is around. We love you, Terry know. T. It's all about the Oaktown Sound. Just 30 seconds. It's so good. They say we love you, Terry T, like 100 times in the song. <laughs> Terry T is the artist. We need more of that clap. I just yeah. really like that song. The, you know? the only reason I know about all these things is because I actually, because when I went out out and copyright the the Oaktown Sound, I looked up what are all the existing Oaktown Sound copyrights, and that was one of them. <laughs> yeah. We we love you, Terry T. <laughs>
do, do you want to set a new narrative here tonight about what people can ask you about? Something you like talking about <laughs> yeah, that people want to ask you about? You know, it's funny. We talk about all this representation stuff, and yeah. I think outwardly people seem to know that about us. Yet when we are all collectively together, we don't talk about that so much. Mm. And I don't think that that's to the, the message that the band puts forward to discredit that. When we collectively gather as a band, it's more like Star Wars puns. <laughs> <laughs> These two guys right here that take the cake. Yeah. See, yeah. Specifically see, episode this, one. This, this is what we're the... trying to get future interviewers to ask about new things. Hey, I hear you do some really good Star Wars accents. <laughs> I think it's just the little ones, you know. Jesus if, Christ. If, <laughs> if if I put on episode one, yeah. could you recite, recite it ev- from start to finish? I could. Yes. Ah, victory. The, just shout, shout, out, shout out some, like, character names that he can do. Call oh, he does a killer Sebulba. Hey, yes. Really oh, so you're going to want to step back so, from the mic. Yeah, I'll step back from the mic a little bit. But, it's you know, it's... It just, it's the little moments. So in like minute twelve of the seventeen minute. But pod- do you know that? <laughs> he do you know the podcast he listens? Yeah, you know. So I listened to another great Star Wars. Hello, <laughs> podcast listeners. Um, there's a g- great other podcast. Oh, um, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> another great podcast um, called Star Wars Minute, and they break down every minute of Star Wars one episode at a time. So they take a minute and they talk this about it for like... This explains so much I've learned about David. Yeah. <laughs> so they, t- they talk about it for like, you know, 45 minutes or maybe even an hour. <laughs> and so every episode of Star Wars they talk about for months and months on end as a daily podcast. And so I know that they spent over two weeks talking about the uh, pod race sequence. And this is not a... I, I don't like this movie very much. Um, yeah, like, you're so I don't know why. I like Revenge of the Sith as much as the next guy, but not anyway. Anyway, so like in, in like in minute twelve, in minute twelve of the uh, the pod race sequence, there's this one guy uh, who who jumps up out of the stands when Sebulba takes the lead. This is like near the end of the pod race sequence. It's just great. It's just it's like way mixed back, but he just goes. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yay. What I love Yay. about what I love about what's happening right now is the episode will not be fully focused on representation. We're we're eating up like twenty minutes on Star Wars impersonations. Do we have a second favorite voice that he does? Uh Watto. The Watto. The one of my favorite oh, yeah. moments in this yeah. band was it was I think the second gig that I ever played. Um we were sitting in <laughs> and afterwards we were um trying to get paid by the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm not sure if it was David or Zach, oh, but yeah, yeah. some somebody just busts out perfectly. Yeah. I'm a totarian. Drink tickets don't work on me. Oh, oh no, no. <laughs> And that's a Star Wars reference. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah very, very obscure. I don't know what minute of the no, movie it is. No, it's not that obscure, man. It's not obscure. <laughs> I don't know anybody else has referenced it. Do you know what minute of the movie it is? I don't, but I do know that Watto is an interesting character because <laughs> apparently... Speaking of representation. As, speaking of representation, like apparently every culture... Found Watto to be offensive, um, but but didn't know how. Like when I saw Watto, I was like, "That is like I, I'm Jewish," so I was like, "That is a really offensive anti-Semitic <laughs> caricature." But apparently, they showed Watto in like 
like Armenia and there were people who were like that is a really offensive Croatian <laughs> stereotype and they showed it in Greece and they're like that is a really offensive Turkish stereotype and so everyone sees Watto and thinks that he's stereotyping you know, you know some culture but no one's sure exactly who. <laughs> I think Beautiful. the conclusion we came to was he was Jewish I'm not sh- I'm really not sure I don't know sure. that we know that he's yeah. I think he's like, an alien race. I think he's blue and hovers three I think feet he's above a the Darian guys. Come on. <laughs> We're also really big uh, Figrin Dan fans. <laughs> oh, yeah. And who is that? That is the Katina band in episode four. <laughs> you guys know about this? Do you know? Do you know the the? So that band canonically. In Star Wars, they perform uh, jizz music, <laughs> J I Z Z, and like, really like Lucas, Lucas actually wrote that. On. Yeah, so yeah, they they play instruments like the fanfare, the horn. It says jizz music. In it? I fact checked him on that one. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Look yeah. it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> the jizz. There's like what is it? The jizz box, the clue horn, the fanfare, the fanfare, yeah, the fanfare, and the band is Figrin Dan and the modal nodes. Yeah, with that right. apostrophe in there. Yeah, Dan. Jizz was a genre of music. Jizz whalers were musicians who specialized in the genre. Max Rebo and his band were popular jizz whalers. Jizz whalers. Did you know that there's a word called hay blibber? In the Star Wars universe, yeah, hey it's blibber. a it's a uh, Jar Jar line. Uh-huh. He says he he somethinged up the hay blibber, which is why he got banished from Otagunga. I mean, let me Google that. <laughs> <laughs> this is great because in in the early communications we had about this episode, you're like, we can talk about representation a bit. <laughs> <laughs> now we prequel we fans feel... need more representation. Yeah. That's yes. right. They need decidedly less. Episode one <laughs> needs more representation, Noah. <laughs> it certainly does. So uh, we we've uh, seen elements of the soul of this band through Star Wars, through uh, the representation talk. Is there anything else that this band uh, would like to put on record here before we wrap? the episode. Wolfpack is probably oh. the other topic that will make people lose their minds. Yes. <laughs> what is that? Let's talk about that. Uh, the band Wolfpack? <laughs> okay. So Wolfpack is a good example of a band where the music is there, but the most interesting part about it isn't the music. Tell me more. Okay. So they are, they what, how do they define themselves? Like a half Jewish German American rhythm section and then just like bring <laughs> a bunch of other musicians around them to to play their music and the core of the band is just four people and then they bring all sorts of cool vocalists on their track they have all sorts of cool featured instrumentalists mm-hmm. on their track and they're also really funny so when we saw Wolfpack this has nothing to do with music they stopped halfway through and Jack Stratton who's like the mastermind behind Wolfpack did like a TED style talk on it was probably one of his bean eating talks no it was about financial security you're right it was a he did a ted style talk with like a you know yeah head you know clip mic or maybe it was like a lav mic or something just like walked around the stage at the Fillmore, (laughs) just doing like financial security in five steps or something and a five-step plan to financial security i'm glad you're in the middle of a show at the Fillmore. yeah so in front of a thousand people that's that's the kind of thing like the music is there sure but there's also the let's have fun on stage let's let's be entertaining as yeah. people because that's as important as the music that's underlying it all they're also shred he's actually been on like financial shows right <laughs> he yeah. also yeah. like culture jammed himself onto cnbc i yes. think it was cnbc that's what it was right? yeah it was to talk about so this is a guy who released a record called sleepify yes on spotify which was a, an entirely blank 
Spotify a record that was released on Spotify and they made about $20,000 in royalties. They told the their fans to stream it while they slept. Made about $20,000 in royalties before Spotify determined that this violated their terms of service because sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pulled it and then used uh the $20,000 to fund a tour which was I think admission free. free. Yeah. And they determined where they were going to go based on where people had streamed the album the most. Um, and so Jack Stratton later popped up, I think on CNBC to talk like about the Spotify show. IPO when that happened a couple of years ago. That's right. Yeah. And like, it's absolute garbledy gook. It's amazing. It's, and I, I felt like I was having a stroke while I was watching it. His it's tie fantastic. is absurdly crooked. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love Jack a person Stratton. who can like hack reality in that way? Yeah. Yeah. It's culture jamming. Culture jamming. I, I wish guess I could that's do the that. word you would use. Well, maybe you can. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking this seriously. Yeah. Uh, if I if I weren't, I, I mean, I think jamming. you've culture jammed this episode in a pretty <laughs> yeah. fundamental way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we started at the beginning saying we don't talk a lot about pop culture on the show. Uh, most usually cuz it's just not good. It's been very good tonight. <laughs> yeah. Well, Star Wars is timeless, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's pop culture today and it's pop culture 20 years from now. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Trace. Repeat this uh, any more Star Wars things to talk about? Any more anything else that we didn't say that you want to get on the bond bond You're just a what? Go. We're just a simple band trying to make a way in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't heard that name in a long time. Long time. The worst part is that comes from Attack of the Clones. <laughs> Damn right. <God. laughs> Damn right it does. That's yeah. the real crime. Of I hate it when said. he does that. Now this is pod racing. <laughs> oh my god. Ask us about Star Wars. Now this listeners. is podcasting. <laughs> god, it's Come be, to our show. Ask us about Star Wars. It's gonna be so good if your next Kickstarter or GoFundMe yes. gets as much attention as the first yes. one did, and, and you have to Star face Wars. Star Wars questions because they reviewed <laughs> this to get their questions. God, that will make me that so be, excited. I think yeah. we welcome. It. Number yeah, one prize, watch episode one with us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Trace, repeat. Thank you so much for joining us. You're a fun band to watch, and they we've are. been excited to document you, so we're thrilled that we got to do it tonight. And everyone listening, stick around, because the music of Trace, repeat, starts now. Thanks again for joining us, everyone. Thank you.
you drive me so crazy The way you got my heart When you found shut down I find myself lying face down thinking that I ain't got much left to give you Other days I swear that the end is a lie Like the beginning I'll call you sometime She says It's the only sweets I can name Solving no problems
done Why you got some left to give Now I think so much Who saw it coming The fall ain't the problem Sticking it up there hurts like a bit So let's take it from the top Start it over, over Down thinking everybody's got somewhere else to be. But the days I swear I'll be in, maybe it just ain't coming.
Thank you.